The Construction Employers Podcast, your connection to what's happening in the Northeast Ohio construction industry. Brought to you by the Construction Employers Association. Hello, Representative Manning. Hi, Tim. How are you at scale? I'm good. Thanks. And I appreciate it. Um, it's going to be hard for me to call you Gail, but I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> okay. I always appreciate that. I'm not one for titles. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, so we are recording on Friday, October 16th in the afternoon. So happy Friday. Any, yeah. uh, any good plans this weekend? Well, uh, knocking on doors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to get, I don't see my grandkids a lot right now because I've, I've been so busy with campaigning, but uh, we're getting together tomorrow evening. You know, the family's going to get together and have a little cookout. And nice. Uh, hopefully the weather's decent. Yeah. So that, that's always fun. They're a fun age. Right. How many grandkids do you have? I have three. My daughter has three children, um, a nine-year-old uh, grandson and a seven-year-old granddaughter and then a three-year-old grandson. Those are fun ages. They really are. They really are. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so you have a daughter, you have uh, Nathan. Um, who, how many other children do you have or are those the only two? That's all I have. My daughter's the older of the two and about two and a half years older than Nathan then. She's a lawyer, and uh, she practices law with Nathan. Oh, cool! Uh, they, they took over their dad's practice when he passed away. Or she was just she was in law school at the time. So when she came back, at about a year or so after that, she took over the practice, and then Nathan joined her a couple of years later. So he's glutton for punishment. He works with his mother down in Columbus, and works with his sister here in Ridgeville. <laughs> <laughs> and so you guys live in North Ridgeville. We do. Yeah, I've that... lived here forty some years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that's uh, District 55 of the Ohio House, correct? That's correct. How how big is that area, is that district? Um, it's just a, a part of Lorraine County. It represents three cities, Avon Lake, Elyria, and parts of North Ridgeville, where I live. Mm-hmm. And then two villages, Sheffield and Grafton, and two townships, Elyria and Carlisle. And how much overlap is it with the Senate district? Because you spent eight years in the Senate prior to the House. I did. Uh, the Senate district has all of Lorain County. Got it. And so that is divided up between me and Dick Stein has 57 and uh, uh, Joe Miller has 56. But uh, the Senate also has Huron County. And when I first started, the first year, we also had a section of Seneca County. Mm-hmm. But Lorraine County's been growing in population, so uh, we lost Seneca County when they um, did the census last time. So you have to run every two years as a House member, is that right? Yeah, somebody should have warned me about that before I ran for the House. <laughs> and I started in the Senate, you know, and that's four years, and it's, you know, it gives a little bit of breathing room. Right. But yeah, the House is like, you know, every other year it's, it's you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough to be running that much so yeah i imagine it takes up all of your spare time if you had any yeah yeah and hey i'm i'm one of these i i go out and knock on doors you know even when i'm not when it's not campaign season just because i think it's real important to you know get out and talk to people and, and find out if they're happy with the way things are going or not so you know i don't mind doing those kinds of things mm-hmm. but you know, it's, it's very you know, toxic out there right now so it's I think everybody's tired of being cooped up. Oh, being cooped up, presidential election. Is that, is that yeah. where you're seeing a lot of the toxicity? Yeah. 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 That, you know, they're just, it, it seems like people are just angry about a lot of different things right now or yeah. just upset and, and that. But, um, you know, most people that I talk to, if I'm out walking and they're out walking, you know, working in their lawns or whatever, no, they're fairly friendly. You know, a lot of people don't want to talk for any length of time because they're busy, and I get that. But right. so they'll they'll take a couple minutes to ask a question or two, and um, you know, so most people are very very friendly. But you know, it's just I don't know. It's I think it's the social media more than anything. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter it seems like no matter what's out there on social media, I've stopped reading it because it's just uh, you know, there's always somebody making nasty comments. So. Yeah. Well, have you seen that new Netflix movie, Social Dilemma? 
No, somebody was just telling me about that today. I'm, I'm going to try to watch that this evening. Yeah, you should, especially with where you're at and your, you know, public service. Uh-huh. They talk about that in particular and just how the algorithms for the social media companies unintentionally, but still what they're doing is driving people farther and farther apart because people are mm-hmm. in their own little worlds, never mm-hmm. have to see or look at shared facts or, or facts that everybody can agree on. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know what? You never, you know, it's easier to criticize people, you know, on, on something like that than it is like if you're talking to them or, you know, to have a conversation with somebody. And if you're out talking, you're, I think you are more polite and mm-hmm. watch your work more. And it's different when you're doing it through, you know, Facebook or Twitter, or whatever you're using. Absolutely. And, and, you know, if you don't have any social repercussions for how you behave, you send you know, people <laughs> let themselves go a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, and they're, they're starting at a younger and younger age. I feel sorry for people with teenagers right now. My guess is, uh, you know, they can really slam each other. You know how teenagers can be anyway under normal mm-hmm. circumstances, but my guess is uh, it can be pretty difficult. So. Right. So, you got into the Ohio Senate in 2011. That is that when you started serving? I did. I did, yeah. And prior to that, you were um, on the North Ridgeville City Council? Um, I was. I was on for two years. We had two-year terms. Uh-huh. And I, I chose not to run again because um, they wanted to have meetings like in the middle of the afternoon. And I was still teaching at the time. And, mm. uh, you know, they, they would say, well, you know, we're going to have to pay overtime to people that come in. And I said, well, you know, I have a job and I can't get there until, right. until after the kids leave. So um, I just decided it was it was too much. So I, I didn't run again, but uh, I did have the experience of serving for two years. And, yeah. Uh, found it interesting. I like, I like the policy more at the state level, though. Right. Well, you taught for 37 years, right? I did. I taught. I graduated from Penn State. Uh, married my high school sweetheart at the time. Uh, uh, we, we put him through law school, moved back home, and uh, I, I started working in North Olmsted, teaching mostly second and third grade. And mm-hmm. uh, actually, my my first first couple of times, I it really um, hated it, but uh, <laughs> it kind of got used to teaching and fell in love with a career. So I uh, loved teaching for all those years, especially little kids that are a lot of fun. Yeah. And great experience for what you're doing now. <laughs> in many ways, I, I used to tell the story. Of course, don't tell any of the legislators to listen to my <laughs> podcast because when I first got in, um, you know, I, you know, I taught, you know, in elementary school. So it was all women and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so you had to stand in line for the bathrooms, and but you all got along, you know, and you helped each other, and you know, it, it, it just it wasn't intimidating at all. All of a sudden, I end up in the Senate, where you're with a lot of lawyers. It's almost all men, mm-hmm. and it was you know quite intimidating. And at the beginning, I was having trouble being heard about things that I felt very strongly about. Mm. And I finally thought to myself, you know what? what skills did I have as a teacher that I could use again? And so I used those skills of a, being a third grade teacher on some of these men and it worked. <laughs> <laughs> you got their attention somehow using second grade, third grade tactics. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> oh, good. Um, so going from some city council experience, a long career in teaching, what, what did you approach your job when you first started as a legislator? How did you approach your job? Well, as you can imagine, it was uh, it was pretty overwhelming at the beginning. You know, you all of a sudden you go from you know knowing how to teach reading and math and mm-hmm. you know science and that to having to learn. You know, of course, I you know I was you know I knew how to do a budget from you know city council and that kind of stuff. But all of a sudden you're learning about energy and you know, social issues and um, transportation and, you know, infrastructure. And mm. it was, you know, and, and all these people would come in and talk to you and they would use all these acronyms. <laughs> you had no idea what they're talking about. And you finally realized you got to start asking a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> and and so that's what I did. I mean, you know, you, you, you asked a lot of questions. You found 
people back in the district that were probably experts in that area and that you trusted. Mm-hmm. And you would sit down and talk with them about, um, you know, what do you think of this bill? You know, is it good? You know, should we make changes to it? And um, so I always, you know, always said I'd vote for something if, if I could make it a better bill. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you'd always offer amendments and if they wanted my vote, they were, you know, they would be willing to um, let me add some amendments to make, to make it more suitable for my district. So, sure. um, you know, so you, you learn to do that and, and I, I'm big on compromise. I'm big on um, working across the aisle. You know, I, I, I think most people want us to be bipartisan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just don't represent the Republican party. You know, I, right. I represent, you know, Republicans, Democrats, and independents, and kids, and people that don't even vote for me. Right, you have to represent everyone. Yeah, uh-huh. and I'm I'm happy to do that. I'm I'm in a district, you know, starting in the Senate district. Um, I think I was very fortunate. I often said to my colleagues that they should listen to me more because I had rural, urban, mm-hmm. and suburban, and uh, I had you know one of the best school systems and one one school system that was really struggling. Um, it's been taken over by the state. Um, you know, I, you know, some very uh, conservative people and some very liberal people. We had um, manu- a lot of manufacturing and um, a lot of independent um, workers. So right. it was, it was, it, it's really kind of like a little Ohio. And so from that, I think it, it gave me the opportunity to talk to a lot of different people and understand that people come from their backgrounds right. and, and, um, so, you know, when I, when you see somebody dropping a bill that you're thinking, you know, what's this all about? You forget that they're representing their district and, um, mm-hmm. but, but they, you know, they need to listen to other people too, to find out what, what's going to work for Ohio. Well, that was an eventful year when you first started in 2011. That was, I think that was John Kasich's first year. It was. Governor it was Kasich. A- it was an awful year. Yeah. Yeah. That was how, what, Senate Bill 6 Senate or Bill five? 5? Five. 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 Yeah. Five. Yeah. I was in, um, was in two months. We were voting for it. Oh, my God. On my birthday. I remember it distinctly. It was my birthday. And um, I was just getting ready to go up to caucus. And uh, my aide in my office, uh, Aaliyah, said, um, just got a phone call from Governor Kasich. Um, they're coming down to see you. Oh, <laughs> well, Governor Kasich never came to your office. <laughs> no, but but three three other guys came into the office, and two sat in a chair, and one stood at the door and said, uh, "Governor, really needs you to vote for this." And you know, I had, you know, it, you know, in my district, I was, you know, you're just getting thousands and thousands of emails and phone calls, and um, mm-hmm. but I had the um, Lorraine police called me up one day and said, "Would you meet with us?" And we're going to bring in people from you know, around, around the district. And if you, we'd just like to explain to you why we think you should vote now. Right. And, and the firemen said the same thing. And one of the, um, uh, schools, one of the school unions asked me to do the same thing. So I put it all down on one day in February, went to all three of them and, you know, they made a lot of sense. There were some good things and kind of bill five, but it's not enough to make me want to vote for it. And mm-hmm. so I went back and told the Senate president, I was a no. And so now I have the governor the day of the vote in saying he wants me to vote for it. And <laughs> I said, I'm sorry. You know, I let the president know I'm, I'm a no. Yeah. And the guy at the door said, we got to go. And I said, well, that was easy. And <laughs> he said, no, you're coming with us. The governor wants to see you in his office. Wow. And so they walked me over there. And of course, you know, I was a third grade teacher that, you know, did what I was told when the principal said, you know, you need to do this or this. You know, I followed the rules. Yeah. And you're thinking to yourself, am I going to have the strength to tell them? I'm yeah. not going to do this. Now you walk in, you sit down, and you think, you know, I'm representing my district. And he said, you know, what well, we'll delay it for a couple of hours. You can add an amendment to fix this. And I said, Governor, it would take more than two hours to be able to fix this bill. I'm a no. And um, mm-hmm. I walked out. So. Wow. So you had the courage when it came time. It, You know, but it made me a stronger legislator than going forward. I mean, he was powerful. He was riding high on the, on the back of a mandate from the election. And yep. 
That yeah. was. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was. Yeah, he and I got into it a couple times about some different bills that I felt very strongly about. He would call me out on them, and, hmm. and so you know, once once I said no to him and felt you know and and was happy about it, especially after we saw the referendum, and I think it was what eighty six counties you know, voted against Senate Bill 5 and yeah. I think a two that supported it. So, I mean, that was, that was pretty strong. <laughs> Very clear. Yeah. 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 And yeah. For those... I knew on the right side of the vote that time. Yeah. Well, man, I mean, it's a great story. Uh, for any listeners who don't know what we're talking about, back in 2011, Governor Kasich had just been elected, just got sworn in and um, uh, was pushing through um policy that prohibited collective bargaining um, for public employees, essentially. And, um, and uh, it was passed in the Ohio General Assembly. Uh, then Senator Manning voted against it, was one of the few Republicans to vote against it. And um, we have a ballot initiative, um, constitutional right in Ohio. And in that November, 86 out of 88 Ohio counties voted it down, so invalidated that law. And uh, that was a huge deal in Ohio. It really was. You know, it was several states that were doing that. And, you know, there was... Scott Walker in Wisconsin. Indi- yeah. Indiana and did it. Yeah, a lot of them couldn't have the referendums like we did. So. Right. Do you know why we have that referendum or who's responsible? No, that's a great question. I'll have to I, find out. Good person to ask is Scott Olslager, I think. I always go to him for... He's been around so long that... I um I think I know. I think Oh, okay. I I forget where I heard this whether it was a documentary on the uh it must not have been the national parks because I know Teddy Roosevelt had a lot to do with our national parks in the country, but I think it was a documentary, not a documentary, but an, a biography on Teddy Roosevelt and it was attributing his uh, bull moose party the, the fact that we have the ballot initiative in Ohio the way we do was attributed to him and his bull moose party. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, and they just wanted they wanted uh, citizens to have the right to overturn legislation they didn't like, and, and we're, we're the beneficiaries of it, one of the state beneficiaries of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know that that's true, but I, I think that's, uh, that's what I... It's what I, the best of my knowledge. I have to do something on that. I'm sure you're correct, though, Tim. <laughs> we'll go with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so um, the biggest news this year, obviously, besides the pandemic, is House Bill 6. Did, were you in office in the House when that was voted on? Yes. Yeah, so I came in in January, and I voted for, uh, at the time, Speaker Smith continue as Speaker Smith. Mm-hmm. I did I did not vote for Householder. Mm-hmm. Um, I did my research on Householder and decided he wasn't the better choice. You know, he had a very sketchy background and um, you know, I just I had I had worked with I had been transportation chair at the time so and at the time um, Speaker Smith was uh, chairman uh, of finance in the house. So we had the opportunity to work together and I just found him to be, you know, just a straight shooting guy, you know, just very honest, um, mm-hmm. easy to work with, you know, he'd stand up to you if he didn't agree with you and, and push back, but, um, just very professional. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, I, I decided to support him. Um, and you know, how sort of one, um, but, you know, he, he ended up getting Democrat votes. The first time in the history of Ohio that the minority party went against the majority party because at the time there were more votes for Smith from the Republicans. Now you had to get 51 or 50, and um, we didn't have 50. But then what you do is you continue to vote. And then I think it's the 11th vote. If you still don't have the 50, it's whoever has the majority. Right. But, but um, Householder made some sort of a deal with the Democrats, and uh, they signed on, and then he had enough votes. So yeah. he won. And then, um, as we know, House Bill 6 came along, and I was a no on that one also. Mm. I voted no twice, both times. Wow. 
You've been on the right side of a couple of huge issues. <laughs> I have been. And, I, you know, they're not easy. You know, it's not like you sit there and, and, and say right off, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a no or a yes on this. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really struggle with it. I mean, you talk to people back in the district and, you know, you listen to testimony in, in the committees and, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you struggle with it because, you know, you're hearing, you know, good and bad about it. You know, there were a lot of, you know, things that we heard about, you know, Hospital 6 that was, you know, going to save ratepayers money, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is very important to me. You know, I'm, I'm a fiscal conservative, so, mm-hmm. you know, I naturally want to save um, people money. Um, but um, I, you know, I, I, I struggled with the fact that we were doing a bailout. Um, nobody bailed out, you know, the steel plants in Lorraine, you know, mm-hmm. when they went belly up um and they were in my district um these nuclear plants were in my district now you know they are utilities and you do want diversity when it comes to utilities but you know i didn't serve on the committee that was hearing the hearings at the time but mm-hmm. you know i read all the all their testimony that was coming through and did sit in a couple of the the committee meetings and uh watched some of them on on, on the tv but they um, they wouldn't open their books. They kept saying, you know, we're in bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, wouldn't do an audit. Uh, weren't willing to take it as a loan and pay back, you know, if, when things got better for them. So, you know, when you hear those kinds of things, um, you know, I just thought I couldn't. And then in the House, we also, um, there was something we had voted on uh, in the Senate. And that was um, when we were trying to make decisions about the renewable energies mm-hmm. uh, back in 2008, and this was well before I was there, um, the legislation voted, and it was almost unanimous. I, I think when I talked to Tom Patton, he was like one of the very few no votes. Okay. And they said to add 12.5% um, so to help you know pay for alternative energies. And so, you know, the electric companies had to, to allow that. Right. And, and that was in 2008. Like I said, almost everybody voted for it um, to, so that renewable energies could get a, a start. And I believe it was good, and I don't remember the exact year, but I think it was like 2024 or something like that. Um, and then when I came in, I think it was 2013, they decided it wasn't such a good idea, and they wanted to freeze all the renewable energies. Well, I felt like we made these promises to these businesses to come to Ohio, that we were going to help them. Mm-hmm. And then we're telling them we're not going to help you at all. Now, should we have adjusted it maybe? You know, taking it from 12.5%, maybe to 85 or 95 or, you know, 65 Yeah, you know, I would have been willing to do that. But to freeze it or to eliminate them after these businesses made a commitment um, bothered me. Yeah. Um, so I voted no in the, the Senate to do that. I don't remember the, the bill number. Um, but then uh, the House also took that out in House Bill 6. Now, I believe the Senate added it. So when it came back to us and we voted again, mm-hmm. um, they did put um, they did put it in. But um, so, you know, I had issues with that also. So that was another reason why I voted no in it. But. Yeah. Well, I was just on the phone with Senator Kenny Yuko yesterday, and <laughs> and he was talking about the fact that we get 15 or 13 or 15 percent of our energy from Northeast Ohio is from these nuclear plants. Mm-hmm. Um, but you point out that the company asking for the bailout won't open their books, won't submit to an audit, won't agree to pay it back. And that's and that was and then they removed the clean energy subsidies that's why you voted no so it's not that you were against the nuclear plants no no you know and and like i said i think diversity in utilities is extremely important to us Mm -hmm. but um you know i just i felt uncomfortable when i saw the money being poured in you know all the you know the mailings that were going out against us for not supporting it you know telling you know telling people that you have to vote yes and house those six and then um, that, you know, and then the China thing came around, you know, all the commercials on, 
you know, China's going to take over our energy and, you know, just huh. weird like that kind of scary tactics. People, yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, this just doesn't sound right. You know, you just, sometimes you got to go with your gut. And, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I, I'm hoping that we can come up with a way to, you know, I'm, I'm all about repealing it. Um, I think after seeing what happened with Senate Bill 5, it, you know, that Senate Bill 5 stays with you for a few years there. I think yeah. you need to get rid of House Bill 6 because it's tainted. But I wish some of the other legislators that feel that, you know, we should continue, that there are good things in House Bill 6 would drop another bill that many of us can then get behind. Mm-hmm. But let's, let's, let's audit these books and, um, and see how much they need. Um, and, you know, and, you know, I think you always want to help out companies that um, are beneficial to the state of Ohio. But we, you, know, you have to figure it out and, and do it right. So I'd like to get to that point. Yeah. Well, you know, there are a lot of trades that do work out and contractors that do work out of these nuclear plants. Yeah. Um, and you know, 15% is nothing to, to sneeze at, but transparency is should be a minimum for anybody getting state money. Right, right. So, you know, I think most of us feel that um, the nuclear plants, we want them to survive. Right. Because, like you said, it has a lot to do with jobs, but, you know, also helps you know, the school systems in those areas and, you know, there's, you know, and, and, you know, it's clean energy. Right. Uh, so, you know, I think those are all really good points, but we have to make sure that we are giving the amount of money we should be giving. And I, you know, I see nothing wrong with, you know, if once they start, you know, getting back on their feet, you know, you know, they have to pay back a, a, a loan of some sort mm-hmm. it might be a good idea. I don't understand why these com- why this company can't support itself. I <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> I've had a lot of people say maybe if they take the names off of the sports sports uh, yeah. buildings. <laughs> yeah. Is it too regulated? It can't make a profit because of regulation. Is that what they're saying? Or I, I just don't understand. I you know they're really not that regulated anymore, and they say that's part of the problem. Is you know we did have some deregulation, so. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I don't understand it. Um, and, and they really haven't explained themselves that well. Yeah. I think they kind of know who, who they can't persuade. Like they never came in to see me. I think once, really? um, I, I had a conversation about why I needed to support house bill six, but other than that, um, they didn't visit my office at all. So, yeah. And do, did you receive any negative mailings and things like that in your district? Yes. Yeah, there were negative mailings coming out saying, you know, tell Gail Manning she has to vote yes on House Bill 6. Hmm. Yeah, there were there were some like that. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm one of these when I make up my mind. I, you know, you, you second-guess yourself sometimes, but I just felt very strongly about um House Bill 6 needed to, you know, have more revisions. And I know that there were people offering amendments that I would have been able to vote for. Okay. But the, House Bill, the First Energy kept saying, no, that won't work. Huh. So yeah. Well, they, they must have known they had the votes or something. Well, it's been since July that that came out into the news, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah, it was in July. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't. Well, why? Uh, why hasn't it been repealed? Why hasn't it been amended? It's been a, it's been a few months. That's correct. Um, and many of us feel I have there. There are two bills out there. One's a Republican bill, and one's a Democrat bill. Mm-hmm. They both want to repeal House Bill Six. I have found on as co-sponsors on both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they are having um, uh, the speaker has decided that he wanted to go through the process of having committee hearings to find out what's good and what isn't good about House Bill 6 and taking it from there. So we have right now um, um, Chairman Hoops, who is a, a very, very good guy that is having hearings on him. I've sat in on a couple of these. Okay. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see um, how that all plays out. You know, th- again, there, there are some of us that feel very strongly about let's repeal it and let's have a new bill. Right. Um, and then other ones want to repeal and replace. Um, and so, 
I think the problem that the speaker has is there's, you know, half half the caucus feels one way and the, half the caucus feels another way. Yeah, and then you have the other, you know, the Democratic members of of the uh, the House that may feel a third way. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> yeah, trying to get everybody together when you're campaigning and, um, you know, and, and, and the pandemic. And, you know, there's just so much going on that's um, kind of a diversion from from this. And so, you know, they, they are having the hearings on them, and, and I'm hoping that we can get something worked out here, you know, figure it all out. Right. Right. Do you do you see any other issues like with the significance of a House Bill six or a Senate Bill five? Any other issues that stand out to you that that much? That are um, extremely controversial. You mean? Well, or or that are that important that you're dealing with in the House right now? Uh, I well, I have the bill that the campaign finance uh, yeah. bill. Yeah, I had start, I started working on that, and it was just because I saw so much um, mailing that would go out, you know, either for or against, you know, your opponent or yourself or you know other people that you knew that were running, and you would be, you know, disturbed by it, and so you would call, you know, whoever was running your campaign and said, you know, what's going on? I don't know who this is, and and they would say, we don't either. I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's it's um, you know, it's it's a, like a super PAC, yeah. and and when you have a super PAC, you know they they didn't have to uh, disclose as much information as you do under normal circumstances, and um, so nobody could talk to them, and nobody could try to reason with them and say, you know, I don't want you to do this, you know, on my behalf, mm-hmm. and um, but there was nothing you could do. So I started looking into this back in November, just starting to do some research and um, Lieutenant Governor Houston, when he was in the Senate had carried a bill. And so come January, February, he and I had a conversation. He said, you know, this is a heavy lift. You know, I, you know, had trouble getting it through and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be difficult. And so we've been doing some research. It's something out of my realm that I don't usually look at, but I was just so bothered by some of these mailings that come out. Right. That we started doing research, and then come July, when we saw all this dark money, uh, and nobody knew where it was coming from, uh, and, and the amount of money that came through—the sixty-one million dollars of that nobody knows where it came from, and how how did it come through, and right. who you know who who put the money, who donated the money. Did they know where they were donating and what it was going to be used for? Maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, I, I, I thought this is the opportune time to, to drop this because then all of a sudden it becomes something on the front burner that you can talk with other members about and say, look, you know, we've got to get this passed. Mm-hmm. And so um, I um, uh, joint sponsored it with a uh, Jessica Miranda out of the Cincinnati area. So we're working on it together. Uh, it has not had any hearings yet just because of the circumstances of, you know, campaigning, the pandemic and everything. It has been assigned to local government. So, uh, what's the bill number? Uh, seven, three, seven. Okay. So that, that, that will be, I'm hoping that we can get something done. We, there is a companion bill in the Senate. Um, actually Nathan's carrying that. And I think he's had a couple hearings over there on that. So it's one of those things that, you know, if we can get a few hearings, um, uh, Representative Miranda and I worked, uh, sat down and worked with uh, Secretary of State LaRose on it, made some changes to it uh, to make it what we felt was a better bill. Mm-hmm. And so we're, um, we're hoping that, you know, we can get that done, you know, by the end of the GA. Um, I'm sure things will be moving very quickly when we get back, but um, when you have a companion bill like that, it's so much easier to, you don't have to have the, you know, as, as intense hearings when you go over to the Senate or if they, you know, if they pass their first and they come over the House. Sure. What's you the know? main thrust of the bill? What would it do? So I guess an easy way of looking at it is right now, we don't know um, who's donating to these organizations, 
how much they're donating mm-hmm. and how it's being spent. And so all this does is makes it transparent. You know, it's one of those things you, you, you've always hear the story about follow the money. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what we're talking about. We couldn't follow the money. Right. So, um, it's probably the easiest way of, of explaining it, but, um, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm certainly hoping that we can get that done. Um, and then, you know, another bill that I'm working on with, um, Dave Greenspan out of your area, your, your district here, right. I think, yeah. um, is House Bill 741, which, um, adds extortion and bribery. This, this bill had been around a couple of times and they couldn't get it done, but we're hoping now again, because of the situation, um, this would, anybody that, uh, we would add extortion and bribery on for, uh, forfeiture of your state retirement. So if you were found guilty, of the co- yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, you can't get, you know, we can't do it with the money that they've put in, but the money that the state has put in, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be able to get that if you've broken a law of that seriousness. So, right. Um, Dave and I are working on that one also together. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. You, you shouldn't mm-hmm. be able to, shouldn't be able to profit from the public if you've stolen from the public or benefited improperly from your service. That's, I'm going to have to remember to use that line when we when we talk about this builder. That's exactly that's a great way of explaining it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Huh. Well, you've you've been a friend of our industry for your entire time since we got to know you. I, I don't know if it was 2011 or 12, but it was quick mm-hmm. early on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Northeast Ohio Senator from our area. And um, um, then Nathan, of course, as well, after he got involved. Um, what's been the most, because I assume, you, did you know much about construction prior to becoming a legislator? I sort of did. My yeah. dad, had started his own business. He started a heating and cooling business. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so he worked with construction a lot. And, um, you know, when you have a family business, you, you spend a lot of time, uh, working in the family business, you know, secretary or, you know, loading up the Coke machine, or there were days when people didn't show up in the shop and I'd have to go back and make the elbows and things like that on the, you know, different antique, probably now machines that they had back then. Right. And picking up the, the lunches for everybody on Friday afternoon, that kind of thing. But, um, so, you know, I thought I had some understanding of it and, you know, always heard my dad talk about, you know, issues with, you know, collecting money, you know, from different people and, uh, or, you know, when business would get really slow, I remember him saying to my mom, you know, we've got to cut back on spending right now. We don't want to lay anybody off. And so I had that kind of understanding, but, you know, that was years before, um, you know, then you get into being a teacher and, um, you know, you, you really didn't understand. And, and that's where, um, I feel very strongly. I often, I often talk about going on field trips with my class and always worrying about losing kids. And <laughs> it's right. nice, nice, nice to be able to go on a field trip now and, um, really focus on what people are teaching me. And I know the construction, uh, group your group has you know, reached out to me and said, you know, can we educate you about what we do? And mm-hmm. I was blown away. I mean, you go in there and, and, and see how you train your employees. Um, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. The commitment that you had to make to train them, you know, it's, you know, it's the machines and, and, and what I liked about it is you didn't ask for any money from us to help you do it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, we funded ourselves. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> to me, that was that was huge. You, you know, usually when you go out to these things, and then somebody turns to you and say, you know, if there's a capital budget money or is there some money here, no, you just wanted to to educate me on the good work you do, so that I had a better understanding when bills came before me. Right. Right. So. And you know the bills that would would come before you at that in those early stages were um, early attempts to it was along with the Senate Bill Five um, mm-hmm. these these anti collective bargaining bills all go together they always come together the ones that try to get rid of prevailing wage mm-hmm. um, whenever you see a bill like that you've also got a companion right to work bill 
and mm-hmm. um, and the one trying to eliminate public employee collective bargaining is is a third one. They're they're, they're kind of a package. They're not really, uh, in my mind, they're not really policy bills. They're more political bills um, to to, to um, gain power to consolidate power. So, mm-hmm. um, but we certainly appreciate you and your perspective and your approach to learning what all the facts are before deciding what you think and coming to all the training centers that you came to and seeing how we do it. And I certainly appreciate that open-minded mm-hmm. approach. Um, your father was, was in the, uh, sheet metal, um, HVAC mm-hmm. industry. Yes, he was. Yeah. He started business when he was like 19 or 20 or wow. something like that. Uh, yeah. That's so, uh, yeah. Yeah. For the longest time, they, they lived in a basement, and I think when when I was born, my mom said, "You got to build a house." I, I'm not living in a basement with two kids, so uh, <laughs> they found, they finally built a house above the basement. And um, but you know, he he be, you know he he worked hard and um, made a lot of sacrifices that you have to make to run your own business. And you know, you, the employees became you know it was a small company, you know, became friends of ours, and you know, you cared about them. So. Right. Uh, you know, you, you you have a better understanding than I think I had a, a better understanding when I, I did get in. But uh, I can remember it really clicked with me one day when um, I needed something done at my house. I think it was plumbing or something. And um, I didn't hire a plumber. I hired, you know, just a general, you know, fix-it man. And yeah. he came in and fixed it. And it wasn't fixed correctly. <laughs> and, and then guess what? <laughs> I had to go out and hire a professional paid again but I got it done the correct way and I, I should have started with and that that's when it clicked <laughs> right I, I, yeah Tra- training and, training yeah. and certification really does yeah. matter it really does you can get the job done faster uh, not making the mistakes that you would make if you you know if you didn't focus on that Right. Sounds like teaching. When I started teaching, I could. My degree was in first through eighth grade, so they could have put me in seventh grade science. And now, you know, you have to be more specialized. And so you, you know, I now I wouldn't be able to teach seventh grade science. You know, they they broken it into different groups, and you have to have a, a more. If you're up in middle school, you have to have more specialized uh, background. And I think that's so terribly important. Yeah, for sure. Um, so with the COVID situation and the election is kind of, you're not in session right now. I don't think the Senate's in session either. Um, what are the number one things that you hope to do when you come back into session? Well, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping we'll be able to, um, push a little bit more to get household sick repealed Mm. and, and then figure out what we need to do to have another bill to fix that. You know, I feel very strongly about that. Um, and then we have a cup Patterson bill out there. You know, we've heard for years about reforming school funding. It's so complicated. Um, and it's, you know, you, you know, you have a lot of different ways of paying for different types of schools that we have now. It's not as simple as it used to be where we just, was more public schools and that, um, you have charter schools that are mm-hmm. getting some money in, you know, it comes from the public schools. So, you know, the um, Cup Patterson bill just makes it more simple and makes more sense. Um, it's going to cost the state a lot more money, but I think it's money well spent. So I'm hoping to see that um, that get done. I've signed that on, on to that as a um, co-sponsor. And again, the campaign finance reform that I talked about, mm-hmm. the other bill about uh, forfeiture of your state retirement. Um, right. Now, this uh, Cut Patterson bill, is this intended to comply with the um, legal orders that have requested or demanded that the legislator fix school funding? Yes. Yeah. Why, why has it taken it so long? I mean, I, I remember studying yeah. this issue back in law school. It's been, you know, 15 plus years. Yeah. Probably more than that. Since um, the first order came down. Right. Yeah. Um, so... They, they did make some changes. My understanding that came out because of uh, a young boy that was in a, a school in Southern Ohio and he didn't even have a deficit. And, so, mm-hmm. you know, they spoke about, 
you know, we've got to do more for our schools. So one of the things they set up was, uh, you know, they, um, um, building more schools, you know, new schools, depending, and, you know, they, the, um, school districts had to make a commitment by getting a levy pass, but the levy would be less for de- depending on your demographics. Mm-hmm. And so some school districts will get 70 or 80% from the state to pay for their new schools. Other schools, school systems might just get, you know, 10% or 20%. Right. So that was one of the things. So if you see new schools popping up, especially in um, more blighted areas, um, that's why. So, so okay. we've done some things, um, but we are still, um, ex- you know, expecting our the property taxes to pay a lot of that. Now, the one thing good about the property taxes, most of that money stays in your school system, and money that comes down to the state, and then we distribute. Um, you know, people might not be happy with the way the distribution is. So sometimes when you pass a property tax levy and money better spent in that district. So, right. Uh, so we have made some changes, but I, I just think it is such a complicated thing. And so when you have somebody like John Patterson, who's, you know, a, a Democrat, you know, out of East Cleveland area, taught, you know, a retired teacher. Um, and then you have Bob Cup, you know, who, who has been around, you know, from the Senate to the House and uh, since the 80s and, you know, as a, uh, served on the Ohio Supreme Court Justice. For a while, you know, the, the two of them have been working on this for two years now. And, you know, Good. we know we don't get this passed by December. It, they're going to start all over again. And now that Cup um, is now speaker, I think we have a better chance of, of getting it done. Now, you know, we can always delay the, the funding until things turn around. So, but, you know, I think that's something really important to do. But um, I have, you know, other legislation out there that, you know, it's passed the House, it's uh, passed the Senate, but they've they've made some changes, so it, it went to conference committee. So I think we're going to be voting that out, and that was House Bill One Twenty Three, which helps with um, mental health with kids and uh, school safety. And so I'll, I'll feel real happy when when we get that done. I think that's really important. And the number one uh, death of of kids between ten and sixteen now is a suicide. Wow. And, yeah, and and. Um, you know, we've we've trained our teachers. Uh, we've given them some training with something I didn't have when I was in school. But we, I don't think we've given the skills to the kids. And I think if you're you're thinking of committing suicide, you may talk to your friends about it and say, "Please don't tell anybody." Right. And what that child do, or that you know their friend do, and and we're trying to give them the skills of of how to handle that and where to go and how to get help for for their friend. Well, that's great. You know, I, before we started recording, we were talking about the um, Netflix documentary "Social Dilemma," mm-hmm. and they have a stat in there regarding the rate of suicide and its increase since the year two thousand eleven. Mm-hmm. It's just been uh, um, by several multiples; it's gone up. And uh, mm-hmm. and I so if you are equipping kids, they're the ones that are going to see social posts from their friends, and hopefully, they can. Yeah have the tools to do something about it or to say something. Right. Cause you know, you, you, you know, if you promised your, your friend, you're not going to say anything and, and you know, you're, you're, you're living with that and then worrying about your friend doing something and how awful you would feel if they, if they did commit suicide and you didn't speak up, but right. you know, we, we've got to have those conversations. They're uncomfortable, but we have to have them so that um, our young people are, are, you know, prepared a little bit, you know, and, and hopefully it will save lives. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just, a, it's a, almost an epidemic of a problem yeah. that's going on. And around. I think part of it again is that social media, you know, they, they can go online now and it's, you know, you've got movies and, you know, YouTubes and everything that makes things look interesting and yeah. cool, you know, and, and it makes and everybody's then, else, makes everybody else's lives look perfect. Yeah. 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 Isolation. I, I saw an ad for the uh, U.S. Marine Corps a, a couple of weeks ago, and it was great. It said, People, are, you're more connected than ever, but you feel more alone than ever. And yeah. And I think that's the case for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. One thing to, you know, have 
have your best friend be on Facebook, but if you don't sit down and, you know, meet with eyes and, you know, smile at each other and laugh in person, it's, it's just not the same. So. Right. So how is it, speaking of connecting, how has it been walking around knocking on doors? You know, I, at, at first we didn't do it. Like I said, I, I did it long before the uh, pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, come March, you know, there was no more of that. Um, and then we started doing drops, you know, just put stuff in, on people's doors and, you know, not ring the doorbell or anything. And then, I guess it was in June or July, I thought, you know, I, I was walking around and there were people outside more and they were very responsive. Mm-hmm. And so I just decided, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put the mailer or you know, piece of lit on their door. You know, I have my mask on, knock at the door and I step, you know, good six feet, eight feet away. Right. People that don't want to come to the door don't. I have some people that stand at the window and kind of give me a thumbs up or wave at me. And, and, you know, I know they don't want to talk and I, you know, I wave back and leave. Yeah. Um, and then other people, you know, step outside and we'll have a 10 minute conversation. Um, so, you know, I, yeah, I, I think it's working out. You know, I, I, you know, not as many people come to the door as usual, but you know, I, I'm sure that has a lot to do with the pandemic, and I'm certainly understanding of that. Um, right. um, and I think a lot of times they don't have to answer the door because you know Amazon's dropping off so many pr- packages at our doors anymore, and they ring the doorbell and leave. Right. <laughs> so most people don't get up when the doorbell rings. It's kind of like when the home phone rings. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you know it's a robocall, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I certainly appreciate you answering the door when we knocked back in uh, 10 years ago when you started. So um, am I. And yeah. I'm definitely am appreciative for the relationship we have with you and and all the work that you've done for the state of Ohio and for your district. Well, I appreciate that. And like I said, I, I certainly appreciate the fact that that uh, you've, you've taken the time to educate me about your issues, uh, so I have a better understanding of them when I when I make decisions. And I think that's that's so important. You have to you have to understand everything, and uh, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you you taking the time to talk to me today. It was very pleasurable. Well, my pleasure, and I hope you have a great weekend. You too, Tim. Thank you for listening. To find more information about the discussion in this or prior episodes, be sure to check the episode notes section in your podcast app. Get notified and automatically download the latest episode by subscribing to the Construction Employers podcast in the iTunes Store or in Google Play. This podcast is brought to you by the Construction Employers Association. Find us on the web at www.ceacisp.org.